grab your Bible, turn to Romans, Romans chapter number 15. As you know, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter here at Riverside. And this morning, the reason I ask you to grab your Bible and not send New York Times bestseller book or not Bibles for dummies, but the actual thing, the Bible, because we here at Riverside believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of prophecy. They are divine and non-human in origin. We here at Riverside believe in sola scriptura. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. Sola scriptura is a Latin phrase. That means the scriptures and the scriptures alone. We believe that the Bible is the highest authority here at Riverside. We don't believe that the preacher is the highest authority. We don't believe the denomination. We don't believe our opinion, our spouse's opinion. We don't believe that the deacons have the highest authority, nor our denomination or our political affiliation, the government, the mayor, the White House, the penthouse. None of those have the highest authority at Riverside. We also believe in sola fide. A Latin phrase that means faith and faith alone. Faith is confidence and trust in something. That you put your trust and confidence in something, but that something is not necessarily a something, but a someone. And that's where we get sola Christus. A Latin phrase that means Christ and Christ alone. That Jesus alone saved us for Himself, to Himself, by Himself. And we call that sola gracia. A Latin phrase that means grace and grace alone. We go to work on Monday. We work towards Friday. And we expect a wage. We expect a paycheck. We expect a payment for what we have done and labor towards. But the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. The cost and the price of sin is death. The only thing we attribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. But we see here that grace is bestowed upon us, given to us. Not that we've earned it. We've only got a grace because of merit, the merit of Jesus Christ. We also see that oh, this morning that all of these wonderful things, these four solas are wrapped together by the fifth sola, which is soli deo gloria, which is a Latin phrase that means for God's glory and His glory alone. That we gather together here at Riverside on this beautiful Sunday morning for God's glory. That we gather here to hear preaching for God's glory. That we open the Bible, study it together for God's glory. We pray for God's glory. We live our lives for God's glory. So if you would grab your Bible, turn to Romans chapter number 15 before we dive into Romans 15. We must remember that when Paul was talking about in Romans 14, he was telling us not to pass judgment on one another. That it's easy to sit in our pews to look down our noses at other people and compare our righteousness to their righteousness. And therefore, we believe we are much more holy. Uh, in uh, colonial times, they used to bleach their garments and lay their garments out on the, the, the brown grass in the fall. And many times they would leave that white garment on the ground to dry out before the sun after they bleached it white. However, the fresh snow would fall around that garment and they would see that that garment isn't necessarily as white as they thought it was. Whenever that beautiful snow would fall, they would see what real white was, how pure and holy it looked. Whenever we present ourselves before a holy God, we must compare ourselves not to each other, but compare ourselves to the standard, compare ourselves to the plumb line, the chief cornerstone, Compare ourselves and our righteousness to Jesus. 
And when we do, it's like taking a flashlight full of dead batteries and comparing it to the noonday sun. There is no comparison. For we're sinners. And He is holy, 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 like we read in Isaiah chapter number 6. So Paul is driving home in Romans chapter 14 that we are not to judge each other. If you're here today and you're not the biggest sinner you know, you're doing it wrong. Because nobody knows you like you. Well, I don't do what they're doing. Why are you so content and so, uh, so compelled to look at other people's sins? Well, they, their sins grieve me. Your sins should grieve you more than theirs. Oh, I'll say that again. Your sins should grieve you more than anybody else's. I know they're sinning and I know they're doing things that ain't right. But boy, my sins, let me tell you, look at my sins. Look at what I've done. My blessings outweigh my sins every day. Amen. Amen. Now we begin in Romans chapter 15. See, but last chapter he tells us not to cause the, the weak to stumble. Not to cause the other brethren to stumble. But in chapter 15, here he starts to talk about the strong among the believers. In chapter 15, I do hope you have a copy of God's Holy Word before you this morning. If your neighbor does not have a copy, pinch them real hard so the preacher will know that they ain't following along. If you're at a church and they don't open their Bible when the preacher is preaching and you can't follow along, that's not a good sermon. Amen. That preacher might stumble, might stutter, he might have problems. But if the Bible is open when he's preaching, then that's a good sermon. Otherwise, you're at a TED talk. You're at a just somewhere where they'll just encourage you. They'll encourage you to keep on sinning. But here at Riverside, we take the Bible very seriously. Seriously, you want my outline and my notes? Well, you got them right before you. And Romans chapter 15, this is what we're going to talk about today. And you know what we'll talk about next week? The rest of the chapter. In the next, the, the next chapter, we'll keep on studying line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So saith the Lord, not my political opinions, not what I think, but what God says. Ooh, that's good to somebody. Romans chapter 15. Verse number 1, Paul continues, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the feelings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Paul begins here, if you're looking at the King James, he actually said that those who are strong, have uh, they ought to bear with the failings of the weak. And here in the ESV, which is what I usually mainly use, he says obligation. Well, many times we ought to do something, but we don't. We ought to do what we're, what we're supposed to do. We ought to go to church. We, it's because the English language has been watered down and many times the meanings of words have changed over the time in the process of years. The ought is an old English word that comes from owed. That you are owed. Your neighbor is owed help and strength and mercy. Here as well as obligation. That is a requirement of you. That you are strong today. You have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And to be honest, I don't want to preach this. But I'm going to. You want to know why? Because as a preacher, I, I study God's Word and I hide His Word in my heart that I don't sin against. I'm not bragging on myself as I quote Psalms 119.11. But I see a lot of weak so-called Christians and I get frustrated. I'm just going to be honest. 
Why aren't you serving Jesus like you're supposed to? Why aren't you getting your knuckles up and fighting against sin? And I get angry and I get frustrated. I know nobody at Riverside ever gets frustrated. I know I'm just talking to myself here out loud. But here Paul puts a command on me that I have an obligation to bear the failings of the weak. And notice he don't say put up with the weak. To tolerate them. To make yourself hang out with them. I know many of y'all broke the law this past week and had Thanksgiving dinner with your family. I know you did. You're lawbreakers like you preach. I know. You love it. You're just a Christian rebel. Yeah, praise the Lord. Let's get together. I understand that. And you might have felt obligated. You might have felt like you had to put up with family members. That weird uncle who's always asking for money. Those crazy cousins. I understand. You have to tolerate them just for an hour or two. But that's not what he's talking about here. He doesn't say tolerate or put up with. He tells us to bear. To bear their failings. That we're supposed to shoulder their weakness. To help them in their weakness. That those that are addicted among us, that we shoulder their addiction, pray for them and encourage them. Not enable them. That those who are weak among us that have same-sex attraction, that we don't just condemn them to hell. We pray for them and have Bible study. Undergird them and show them Scripture. That those among us who gossip, who can't help but gossip, that we help them and bear their failings. That we don't say, good luck. That the one who endears to the end, and it's probably going to be because I'm strong and rooted in Christ, because I'm strong, and look at other people and just roll your eyes and keep heading on and forgetting those behind. In World War II, the U-boats, because of the U-boats attacking those who were the, in the alliance, that whenever there was a convoy, those ships would go only as fast as the slowest ship. Because there are warships and battle boats that could, could go and book it with many knocks and get ahead of the convoy, but they didn't. They stayed together. Yes, they could have really turned the throttle and in the wake of their waves that they leave behind them, it would cause the other weaker ships to sink. But they didn't. They stayed in a convoy. They stayed together to protect each other. Church, many times, we simply leave people behind because they're too weak. Many times, we, we just write them off. We forget about them. There's a reason. It's because we're selfish. We think, well, I pulled myself together. They need to pull themselves together. I made it through the valley. They need to remember that I made it through. And I expect them to make it through. Sometimes people get lost in the valley a little longer than you did. Sometimes people stay addicted a little longer than you did. Sometimes it takes somebody a little longer to pull things together. Sometimes people go along the mountain, go around the mountain quite a few times more than you did. So those who are strong today, Paul puts a command on you that you are obligated to help with the failings of the weak. That you are obligated. That that extra toilet paper that you got stored up in your house, 
It belongs to somebody who don't have any. That, that stockpile of food that you have belongs to the hungry. Those extra coats that you keep belong to the naked. That those stockpiles of gold bars you got hid in your yard. Yeah, we know about them. <laughs> that that belongs to the poor. That we are to bear the failings of the weak. I don't like this. I'm just going to be honest. But you know what? It's my arrogance. Because at the end of the sermon, it's going to tear me down to the root. Bear with me. That we bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Whenever there's a church split, it's because somebody wants to please themselves. Whenever there's contention and gossip within a church, it's because somebody wants to please themselves. Whenever there's boasting and arrogance, even in a church or in a family, if somebody wants to please themselves, Amen. if you want to know why there's marital strife, you want to know why there's divorce, do you want to know why there's custody battles, do you know why there's war? It's because somebody wants to please themselves. Amen. Verse number 2, Paul continues, let each of us please his neighbor for His good to build Him up. In verse number 2, you almost read that very quickly and you'll say, well, we're, we're supposed to be people pleasers. That we're supposed to just go along with what other people say. Oh, you live LGBT lifestyle? You're transgender? Well, that's good. Let me pat you on the back and say, just keep coming to church. Everything's going to be alright. Oh, or, or you, you're a crackhead? Okay, let me give you an extra $20 so you can go smoke up another rock and get high as the sky. Oh, 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 you gossip, let me stand here and, and just enjoy the gossip like you and that way I can confirm and pat you on the back in your sin. Oh, you shacking up and, and sleeping around? Let me go ahead and tell you that's okay. Oh, oh, your lifestyle is wicked and depraved. And that's okay. You're okay, I'm okay. Everything's okay. But you'll notice here, he says, for his good, that the weak brother and sister that we are to please them and help them for their good. Do you realize the preaching of the gospel is for your good, whether you like it or not? Amen. There are those who've been sick here recently and you've had the medicine and it didn't taste good. Robitussin is horrible. It will pull the pain off the wall. But when you swallow it, you know it's for your good. Amen. It will help your body, strengthen you. Broccoli ain't good. But it's good for you. Amen. The gospel don't always sound good because you love sin. You prefer it. But when the gospel penetrates your hard soul and your hard heart, it changes you for your good. Notice it's not people pleasing just for the sake of making them happy. You can be happy in your sin. But you know what, here at Riverside, and I'm not tooting my horn because we got faithful deacons, Sunday school teachers, we got faithful members here who will not just stroke you into a coma that you'll feel good about your sins. I, if you're a sinner today who's living blankly in sin through gossip, gluttony, lying, idolatry, sleeping around, I want you to be uncomfortable today. I want you to be so uncomfortable that you repent, that you stop sinning. Don't just feel bad for your sins but feel bad enough to stop sinning. Amen. 
Because that's for your good. It's also for your good, those who are strong, to bear with the weak and the feeble. I know everybody ain't living up to snuff in Riverside. But we bear their weakness and we strengthen them. And we encourage them instead of writing them off because they're sinners. Yeah, yeah, if we wrote everybody off who's a sinner, there won't be nobody here today, even the preacher. Ooh, that is the truth there, preacher. Come on, white boy, keep preaching. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. If I have to tear down your house of sin today for God to resurrect you in glory, so be it. For your good. Many times when they reseed a broken bone, they'll have to break it again to seat it right. This may not feel good today. It didn't feel good to me studying for it because we have to put up with people who are not as strong as we like to believe we are. But this is where, in verse number 2, He tells us to build them up. But here in verse 3, He starts to tear those who believe they are strong down. Verse number 3, For Christ did not please Himself, but it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on Me. Now I know that's real fancy talk. What does that mean, preacher? It's your job to explain that where I understand it. And I am. Paul was quoting Psalm 69, verse, I believe it's 9. And in that whole psalm, that whole chapter, David writes it, but it's Masonic. It's talking about the Messiah. The whole chapter is speaking about Jesus. And here, he's quoting there and he's telling us that Christ bore the insults that were meant for us. What? What kind of insults did He bear on my behalf? He bore our reproaches and all our offenses before a holy God. See, we offend God with our arrogance. We offend God with our pride and judgmental attitudes. We just do. When we consider ourselves stronger than we really are. When we judge other people's sins, but we're easy on our sins. We can explain away our sins. Oh, I gossip, but you don't understand. What I'm saying is true. It don't make it gossip if it's true. Yeah, it, it makes it gossip. If you're not hitting your knees and talking to Jesus about it, but talking to your neighbor about it, and not mentioning them and uplifting them, but tearing them down, it's gossip. But what if it's true? What if? So what? We see here that Jesus bore, he bore our reproach. The reproaches fell on me is what Christ said. What Jesus is saying here is I, I bear the weak. I put up with. I shoulder. I carry. I walk with. I sit with. I weep with. I heal. I restore. I redeem the weak. Amen. Isn't that so good to me? Right now I don't feel very strong. That's the point. Those who believe you're strong, compare yourself to the strong one. How strong are you? The one who holds up all things by the power of His Word. The one who can scoop the oceans in the palm of His hands. The one who takes His thumb and His index and stretches out the Milky Way. How strong are you compared to Him? Tell me, you know. 
Tell me you know where he you know where you stood when he laid the foundations of the earth. Tell me. Tell me, where were you when he filled the silos with hell? When he caused the lightning to run from the east from the west? Where were you? Surely you know. We see in verse 3, the strong one did not please himself. Even Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, when he cried out, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. The mighty one, the champion of grace, said, Not what I want, Lord, but what you want. Amen. And what did he do? He bore our reproaches before God. He bore the weak. I'm speaking to the weak. The weak are those who cannot buy their way into heaven. You don't have that much money. The weak are those who cannot earn their way to heaven because you can't do enough. The weak today. The weak are you and I. The weak are me. The weak is me. I, I'm just going to talk about me. The weak is right here. Earlier in the verse, I was putting up and tolerating people who had failings and weaknesses. They hadn't got it all together yet. That was me earlier. But now, my house has been torn down. Now I have nothing to boast about. For I look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? He walked among His disciples when they asked stupid questions. Who sinned Jesus? This man or His parents? When they asked dumb questions, Jesus, we didn't bring any bread. When they, when they were wondering if He's going to help them in the midst of the storm, Jesus put up with them. He put up with Thomas and his doubting. Jesus put up with Peter and his forsaking. Even when Judas stood there and he was a betrayer, and every time Judas would turn, the money would jingle in his pocket and Jesus would hear it, but still He spoke kindly to him. That's bearing with the weakness of those around you. When asked Jesus who sinned, the mother and the father or the person, He said, nobody sinned. It was so I could be glorified. Whenever they cried and said, we didn't bring any bread, He said, all I need is a couple of loaves and a few fish to feed the masses. Whenever, whenever they were worried about the ship singing, He came walking on the water. You want to talk about who's weak? All the weak have gathered here today under the shadow of the steeple, trusting in the truth, strong one, to help us and bear our weaknesses. So if you're here today and you believe you're strong and mighty, bear with the weakness of others because of your example, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus didn't get in a corner and gossip about those who were weak. He didn't gossip about Thomas. He didn't gossip about Peter. He bore their failings. Ain't that just like Jesus? Ain't that just like Him? To leave the 99 to find the one that can't find their way. He'll leave the ones that got it all together and find that one who's off in the weeds, stuck in the thorns, who can't get to Him. It doesn't say that Jesus stood there and kept hollering at them until they came. That's not what it says. He goes and seeks them out. Let it be said of the weak, 
that Jesus failed me. No, 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 no. I know there's a phrase that goes around. They found religion. They found Jesus. Jesus won't lost. You were. Jesus found you. Jesus redeemed you. He keeps you. And He holds you. Ooh, that's so good. That's so good to me. Because I was weak and couldn't reach Him. Jesus reaches me. Mm, I thought this Baptist church would be more excited about that. Whenever I can't reach Him, I can't reach up to His level. I can't build a tower tall enough to reach heaven. Jesus steps down out of the ivory towers of heaven on a rescue mission to find the weak and the feeble to save them for Himself, to Himself, all by Himself. Whoa! <laughs> he bears the reproaches. They fell on Him. It was my sins that put Jesus on the cross. I want you to know that today. Even though the same hands that created and carved out the Grand Canyon had nails through them, He could have came off at any moment. But it was His love that kept me there. Kept Him there for His love for me. In verse number 4, I know it's 1104. But this is just too good to stop. Do y'all mind? Verse number 4, 4. Whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture we might have hope. Here Paul was telling us that Scripture is written for your instruction. What you are to do how you are to live your life in light of what Jesus has done. He tells you that when you read it, you'll get endurance. If God danced with Shadrach and Meshach in the fire, He'll dance with me. If He made Daniel strong in the face of a lion, He'll stand with me. If He called out Abram out of an idol, infested community and culture and was faithful to Abram, he'll be faithful to me. If his hand was on Moses as he floated, floated down the Nile to the hands of that princess who belonged to Egypt, he will be with me. When I read of his promises to Joshua, who God tells him to be courageous and be brave, he commands him to and shows him his own sword and how he will fight for him, then I'll have endurance and I'll have strength because I find my hope in nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. He says I'll find instruction and I'll get endurance and then I'll get encouragement. Christians, too long you have dropped your head and let the world bear down on your shoulders. You know why? Because you ain't in His book. You on Facebook. You know why? Because you're doom scrolling instead of reading the Psalms to make you come. Ooh, preacher, you're rapping now. I know. He says that instruction will give you endurance and encouragement. That scriptures we might find get this hope. Hope. Something that's scarce in these times and seasons. Yeah, I know it's about Christmas time. 
But we just sing those songs and they don't mean anything. But there is hope. There is peace. There is joy. Joy unspeakable. And His name is Jesus. And then I'll finish here in verse 5. But somebody needs to hear this today in verse 5. Read along with me. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another and one accord with Christ Jesus. Look at verse 5 and you'll see the God of endurance. Somebody just needs to hear this. He's called the God of endurance. That means you're going to make it. Let me say it again in case you didn't grasp what I'm saying. Those things that whisper in your ear saying, I got you now. I got you cornered. You're going down in flames. It's over for you. The Scripture says that the God of endurance, the God who lifts up the weary, the God who binds up the brokenhearted, the God who redeems the wretched soul, that sets at liberty those who are in prison and those who are addicted, the God who heals the mind and the soul, the God of endurance. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. He's able. He's able. You ain't going through nothing that a good resurrection can't handle. Jesus ain't in the grave. Jesus ain't dead. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father calling out your name in prayer. And the host of the heavenly angels come around you and keep you. And then we have a cloud of great witnesses tearing you on. With that behind you and before you, nothing will stop you. And on top of all that, the God of endurance keeps you. Amen, somebody. But the God of endurance and encouragement. I want you to walk out of here encouraged. Not encouraged to sin. Encouraged that your Jesus fights for you. Your Jesus keeps you and guards over you. Your Jesus is not surprised of your failings. He bears them. And if my Jesus does that for me, I can do that for my brother. If He didn't judge me, but showed mercy towards me, I could show mercy towards those around me. If He was kind toward me, I could be kind to those around me. Church, we're the forgiving people. You would have thought that we're the judgment people. We judge everybody. We're the forgiving people because we've been forgiven. We're the merciful people because we have seen and experienced it for ourselves. Wonderful, amazing mercy. But the God of endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Today, the Scripture has ringed in your ears. Today, you will have hope. Today, you will have endurance. The same God who caused the sun to set yesterday rose it today. The same God who should have killed you in your sleep because of your sins stirred you awake this morning. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23. One of my favorite verses. And you'll know why here in a second if you don't know where it is. His mercies are new every morning. How did you hear that? <laughs> Why are you so excited about that preacher? 
His mercies are new every morning. When I used up all the grace and mercy yesterday, I needed new grace and new mercy today. And His promises towards me, I'll never leave you or forsake you, never turn you out. Family may leave you. Even Psalm says, my mother and my father may forsake me, but the Lord will take me up. Oh, that's so good! People come into your life like seeds and they're just for a little while. But God is everlasting. Always strong. Always there. And He causes you to have hope and endurance through His Scripture. If you need hope and you need strength today, turn to Scripture. Turn to Christ. Lean solely upon Him. Cast your cares upon Christ. 1 Peter 5.4 Cast your cares upon Christ because He cares for you. What does that mean? I'll explain this and then we'll finish up, I promise. When He says cast your cares upon Christ because He cares for you, it's like many of y'all did when y'all came in service inside here this morning. If you're outside, it's hot in here. Well, it is to me because I'm working. But whenever you walk into a room and it's hot, you will shed that jacket or that wrap. You pull it off and you fling it. That's what you're supposed to do with your cares. You sling them to Jesus. Lord, I can't carry this. I can't bear this. I'm not as strong as I boast to be or like to think I am. For you are strong and I am weak. I am feeble. I am not holding anything together. Lord, it's you holding me together. It's you holding me. And Lord, when I fall, because I will, when I stumble, it's not my grip on God that holds me steady, but God's grip on me. Somebody needs to really grasp what I'm saying here because you will mess up. But Jesus ain't going to let go of you. Ooh, that's so good to me. When I try to snatch from Him and run the other way, He holds me and He keeps me. He seeks out that one who's not with the 99. That's just like our Jesus. If you would now, let us bow our heads and talk to this Jesus who will give us endurance and encouragement and hope. Father, this morning, as we bow our heads and we realize we ain't as strong as we like to think, much like a toddler who stands up and says, I can do it, Daddy. I can do it, Mama. Knowing that task is way above their head. Lord, many of us, we're too big for our britches, to be honest. And Lord, we repent as we pass judgment on those around us who don't have it all together. We pass judgment on that person who's just going around the same mountain over and over. We pass judgment on that person who keeps stumbling. In all actuality, Lord, we're in a worse situation because we're seated on the mountain of pride, which is the greatest sin. Taking pride in our own feeble accomplishments. Believing that regular church attendance is what saves us. Believing that being baptized is what saves us. Believing that we carry a big Bible around that we use as a, as a machete to cut up people with. That is our righteousness. The Lord, our house has been blown down today. And we see that we're feeble. And You bore our reproaches against the Holy God. That You are the strong one. That we are the weak ones. That if we lack hope, if we lack endurance, and if we lack strength, 
Let us look to your resume, which is the Holy Scriptures, and see what you have done and accomplished on our behalf. For you are the mighty one. You are the warrior. You're the one who fights for His people. You're the one who redeems us and saves us and bought us with the cost, not of silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus. It was you all along, Lord. It was you who saved the people for Himself, to Himself, all by Himself. So this morning, dear Lord, we find encouragement and we find strength and hope in Scriptures and we look to the author and the finisher of our faith who is Jesus this morning. Only because of what He has done and accomplished on our behalf, we are able to come into Your presence. So this morning, dear Lord, let us stop looking at other people and their failings and look at our own. Be concerned with our own sins and be thankful for grace. Not just grace, Lord, but amazing grace. Father, use Your people. Stir their hearts and strengthen them. Guide them through their days that we might meet here, midweek service, this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Lord, until 